Awesome. Hey, I've, I've titled, yesterday, uh, um, Mahela said I, I did a message on the courage to worship. And today, I, I've, for those who love messages, titles and stuff like this, I always struggle with this. My team's always saying to me, you know, what's the title of your message? And I'm like, I don't know, man. I just preached the message. Um, but the, the message title is, is the choice to worship. The choice to worship. And uh, as I said, I shared with the, the YAs yesterday that so often we define worship as, as a song we sing or the 20 minutes that, that we just did at the start of the service here. Uh, and, and let me tell you, that it is one of the most beautiful ways that we can worship God is through song. Um, you know, King David did it all the time through his, his songs. I would have loved to have been hanging around that guy. I've actually, has anyone ever thought whether King David had a good voice or not? Has anyone, or is it just me? Am I just one of those crazy sort of guys? Yeah, I mean, like, he wrote songs, and so we all just presume that he had some sort of angelic voice. Maybe he sucked. Maybe he was so out of key, right? But, but the way we worship um, in our songs is, is a beautiful way we can do it. It's one of the most beautiful ways that I believe that we can worship the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But let me tell you this, church, I really want to make this clear today, is that worship is so much more than singing songs. It is so much more than that. In fact, the most powerful quote I ever heard, and I, I shared this with the young adults yesterday, it might take you a bit, but the most powerful quote that I've heard on worship was that worship is the daily practice at not being God. Think about that. Worship is the daily practice at not being God. The reason being is because humanity, we start worshipping anything we can. We worship our work, we worship our career, we worship our, our spouse, we worship all of these things. And, and, and what we've got to do is we've got to go back to start choosing to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He must be number one. Uh, I talked with the interns, they said, How do, where do we rank God? And, and I'm going to get a little bit, not controversial, this is, I shared this with my team and they're kind of like, but, but I don't rank God number one. And you're kind of going, oh man, are you... Are you really a preacher? I don't rank God number one because God is number one in everything. You can't rank God. He is central in everything that we do. So the minute you start ranking him and then you have a season at work where work becomes number one in your life, you kind of feel like you've let down God. Don't, God is just central in everything. We need to be worshipping him above all things that we do. Above everything that we do, we need to worship Him. We need to choose to worship Him. And out of that will flow your career. Out of that will flow your university. Out of that will flow health. Out of that will flow things. But first and most central is that we've got to have God as the one that we worship. I was, uh, I was raised in a, a, a beautiful, loving Christian home. And as I said, my mum and dad are here and they've always supported me. Uh, and I love the fact that they would drive across the Westgate Bridge to get here. <laughs> Even with all the roadworks of the Westgate Bridge. Um, but I found that uh, as I went through schooling and, and into adulting, and then through the various seasons of parenting, uh, and uh, that life itself can become consuming. And suddenly our willingness to worship can feel like a chore, or dare I say it, even a burden, right? Parents of young kids, uh, you know what I mean. The simple ability to put on a worship song and even get four minutes out without a kid screaming is like heaven, right? Uh, and, and, you know, we can do that. We can do these things. As an 18-year-old, I suddenly found, um, I finished uh, HSC or year 12, and I suddenly found that I didn't get enough marks to get into the course I wanted in university. And so the plans that I had laid out suddenly seemed irrelevant. Here I was, I'm doing year 12, and I got very sick at the end of my year 12, and, and 
I didn't get the marks I needed and I didn't get into union. Um, so I travelled overseas to play basketball for a little bit and then I ended up working as a pool lifeguard. Yeah, I'm not having a criticism at any pool lifeguards, but it wasn't on my career list to work as a pool lifeguard. Um, however, there's always light in the darkness and this is where I met Morella. So uh, within a couple of years, we were married and had moved to Sydney where I started working as a paramedic on the streets of Mount Druid. If we don't have any Sydney people in the room. Sure. So I, I worked on, on the streets of Mount Druid. Um, Mount Druid is a tough area. For those who don't know, in the 1970s, this, the, uh, the, the government at the time thought that it would be a really smart thing to put 25,000 council homes or community homes together, and they thought it would be a great thing. Uh, it, what it did, it created two generations of absolute brokenness. Uh, and uh, when I was working there from the mid-90s onwards, uh, unemployment was at 87% in the area. Uh, so I was in, in an area where we worked in what was called a local area command and there were 16 paramedics working our local area command. And the same with the police. There was 180 police working the same area. And so, but my first few years was there. And uh, that's what God had me called to do, which was great. Um, over the next 21 years, the world of paramedics would take me from Sydney to Canberra to the Middle East um, to a place called Qatar, where I worked day and night um, trying to modernise a an ambulance service before heading to Hobart in Tasmania. Go the Tasmanians. Uh, where I worked as the clinical director and was responsible for, for our um, helicopter program and, and um, air wing. Uh, I say all this not as, a, as, a, as an interview or, or, or as an episode of This Is Your Life, but in 21 years uh, working as a paramedic in some of the biggest and most craziest cities in the world, you understand that the world is not always fair. Situations I've seen and, and the circumstances I dealt with um, over about 12,000 jobs that I did over that period of time, you understand that sometimes the world is just not fair. And, and that there are days and situations where to worship God is not just a choice, but does take courage. In Acts chapter 4, we read where Peter and John, uh, they're on trial for their lives, simply because they healed a crippled man. And then they gave all the glory and honour to God. For those who know the, the, the scripture, or for those who don't know the scripture, um, Peter and John are walking to a place of prayer. They're going to a place of prayer. They see a crippled man beside the road there. The same crippled man who had been put there every single day that many of us would walk past every single day. And they get their attention. And, and there's, there's dialogue. I'm just paraphrasing this. But effectively, Peter says, put out your hand. He puts out his hand. And, um, and um, then they... they Filled with the, says this, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke with a boldness, telling those who had gathered that salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. He then saves this guy. Can I tell you, those words there are worshipping God. He didn't sit there and say, he didn't sit there and say, well, I'm going to heal you because I'm awesome and I'm good and I can do these things. He said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus be healed. Straight away, he gave worship. He didn't sing a song at the start of his service. He didn't do that. What he did is he worshipped God. He, he, he simply said, I'm going to give honour due to the one who deserves the honour. I want to worship the one who does this. He said to all of those who were gathered, right? The story goes on that because he did this, he was put in jail for the night and put on trial. Why? Because he gave glory and honour and chose to worship God. He said, in the name of Jesus, be healed. 
He could have just gone and there, there were sorcerers around at the time and witch doctors and all of that sort of stuff and he could have done this. But he said, no, in the name of Jesus, when he's pulled before the trial the next day, they, they kind of, I'm just paraphrasing here, but they kind of said, read it, Acts chapter 4. They said to him, well, well, in whose name are you doing this? And he said, in the name of Jesus. That's worship, guys. That's making a choice to worship. When he, he could have been thrown in jail for the rest of his life or, or even stoned to death or whatever it is, he made a choice to worship. We've got to make the choice to worship the one who created us. Not to give glory and honour to other things in our lives. Those things will come. But to firstly and foremostly centralise and say, I'm going to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I, uh, I spent a great deal praying uh, for what message to bring this morning. And, um, and so I'm going to go into what I believe are uh, two of the most powerful scriptures in the New Testament. And they're challenging, and I'm not unapologetic for them being challenging because I kind of feel like we're friends and family here. But I do this because when I preach, I preach to myself. And uh, these are verses that, that I have uh, put on a sticky note and put in my office so that I am reminded of them. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. To give context, uh, the letter that we know as Romans was written to the church in Rome. Uh, and it was thought that they received it in about AD 57, uh, which was just prior to Paul's first visit. And if you've read Romans, which I'm sure you all have because you're all very good biblical scholars in this room. Uh, if you've read Romans, you would appreciate that the first 11 chapters of Romans are, are, are a theological masterpiece, right? Uh, where Paul lays down what we could call a statement of faith. I love it. The first 11 chapters are just awesome. Then in chapter 12, which is where we're going to start, there is this distinct shift as, as Paul goes from telling us what God has done to how we can worship the one who deserves our praise. So hold on. Seventh, 19th century uh, Anglican clergyman, a guy called Charles Simeon, once said this, any service short of entire surrender to God is irrational when we consider what he has done for us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray that these next 20 minutes, Lord God, that you will speak through me to these people. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 12. Just going to do two verses here. First verse says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God for all of, because of all he has done to you, for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. The King James Version, for those who like that, puts it like this. It says, I beseech you, brothers and sisters, to consider how and what you are doing with your life. Now, this may seem very direct and confrontational language from Paul to people that he had never met. But you've got to remember, Paul's heart was to see people live out a life that was worthy of what Christ had done for them. If you read through Paul's ministry, that is what he's doing. He's saying, think about what Christ has done for you. You've got to remember, this is a guy who was radically saved on the road to Damascus. He knows what it was like to be on the other side. He knows what it was like to be broken. I, I, I had the opportunity to meet with uh, Mesu. Uh, where's Mesu in the room? There he is down the back. Man, you inspire me, buddy. You inspire me, Mesu. I got to meet him on, on, he's one of your interns here. I got to meet him on Friday night. He was a guy, and, and he's, he'll share his testimony. I'm not sharing his testimony, it's his to tell. But he was a guy who was, was living a life that was on the wild side. 
that was broken, that was devoid of God. He wasn't worshipping God. He was hanging with bad mates. He was doing some dumb things, right? Yet he came to a point in his life where he realised that something's got to change. Now, it was a little bit different. I'm not sure that you had the same light that came down, that, that knocked out Saul, that became Paul. But something changed. He looks up, finds his church. All of a sudden, he gives his life to Jesus on the altar here. And he's one of the greatest evangelists you have in this church. He keeps bringing people. Why? Why does he do it? Because he knows what it was to be without God. You see, sometimes as Christians, I grew up and I'm very thankful for being in the faith, but sometimes we become so complacent in our faith that we forget to actually worship the one who saved us. We've got to go back. I'm talking to the Christians in the room because I'm talking to myself here. Sometimes we've got to remember what Christ has done for us. And I believe that that's what Paul did when he spoke to the church in Rome with this. Paul was saying this because he had been getting words back. He'd been getting rumours back that the church in Rome, which started on the day of Pentecost, right? It's now AD 57. So we're talking within one generation. It, it came back that word was that the church in Rome had lost their spark. They might have been doing their 20 minutes of worship and I'm sure, that, I'm sure they had Darren on guitar and stuff like this. But it says that they were arguing. They're worrying about the logistics. Who sat where and who did what? Who cares? Right? They had lost their spark. They had lost their understanding of what it was to worship. And in my role as, as, as GM for, for C3 Australia, I interact with a lot of churches, both inside and outside our, of our movement. And my concern is that we have become distracted from worshipping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And, 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 and you know, there was an article in 2016 um, written in a, a magazine called Eternity News that had the headline, What's So Dangerous About Grace?, and it touched on a trend that was becoming popular in American university culture. And it said this, it said, if I love God with my heart and declare it with my mouth, then that's the extent of my faith journey. If I can talk the talk, I don't have to walk the walk. Paul rebuffs this and says, no, it's not okay to just say you love God, right? He's saying, guys, this is not okay. It's not okay for us as a church or for Christians to just say, yeah, we love God on a Sunday, but my Monday life doesn't reflect what I do on a Sunday. Paul said, this is not okay. Paul said to them, he said, I plead with you to give your bodies to God for what he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way we worship God. Not what we do on a Sunday. This is good. This is great. I love the gathering. I love the local church. But what are we doing on a Tuesday in our business decisions? How are we treating our kids? How are we treating our spouse? How are we treating others? And Paul was sitting there saying, you know what? In light of all I've shared with you about God's mercies and, and all that you've seen with your eyes, I urge you to live your to, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is worship. And that is why Paul wrote this letter, or it's why he changed the direction of this letter. And Paul wasn't just talking about when he said this, when he said about your body, he wasn't just talking about your physical body. He wasn't just saying you need to go in there and, you know, like work like a dog for 30 hours and do these sort of things. He was, he was speaking, which I, which I shared with the, the young adults yesterday. He was speaking about the gifts and the talents that we have been blessed with. 
And I shared with those young adults yesterday, and I shared it with you here very briefly, is just do not hide the gifts and talents that you've been given. And, and I want to really encourage the more mature people in the room here. Can I, can I just, just spend one minute on the more mature people in the room here? Can I say your season has not done? Your season is not done. Your, 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 your prayer... Your ability, you may not be able to run marathons or to pick up chairs and to do these things anymore. But can I tell you, your season has not done. A church needs you. A church needs your prayer. A church needs your gentle support on the back to say, hey, I've got you today, Dan. It's okay. A church needs the intercessory care that you guys give for your season has not done. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying you don't need to go and put 30 chairs on your shoulder and say, look at me, look what I can do. He's saying use the gifts and talents that God has blessed you with in order that you can worship God. That is making a choice to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Hey, I'm going to change this up. Is that okay? I'm going to change this up. I did this yesterday. I'm going to change this up. Um, where, where's um, Ash and, and Brooklyn? Yeah, come on up, guys. Come on up. Because I've still got a verse to go. You're probably going, you said you can have two verses, but I've still got a verse to go. And I promise we'll finish today. But um, I, <laughs> today, I promise we'll finish today. I, I, is anyone a Formula One fan? I'm getting off track here. I've been watching the Formula One in Las Vegas at the moment, and they are so confused because it's like starting at 2.30 in the morning. It's kind of really weird. But... Um, I just really felt this. I felt this yesterday, actually, as I was preaching this message. I've got, I've got a second verse that I want to do, and, and, but I want to do something a little bit different. I've, I've asked Ash and Brooklyn and the team to just rejoin me because I just want to share a little bit of my heart. Is that okay? I know I'm kind of the guest preacher, but I just want to share a bit of my heart with you because for the last 18 months, the last 18 months, the Holy Spirit has been doing a work on me. Uh, and he's been convicting me of the willingness to choose worship with all that I am and all that I have. I had an amazing session with your young adults yesterday. You better believe the Holy Spirit is alive. This altar here, which is just a piece of carpet, guys, it's nothing special. This altar was full. We put out a, we put out a bit of a call and there was probably 30 in the room and there was... 25 of them on the altar. The Holy Spirit is alive. And I have been convicted over the last 18 months to just stop doing church and actually to worship God. We run four services a week. It's busy. It's busy. We've got an outreach program that's seeing about 2,500 people a week in different things. And I believe that that's what God's called us to do. We're in the prisons, we're in schools, we're in all sorts of, we, you know, on, on, on Monday, uh, our, our C3 Cares director took us down to the homeless shelter in Hobart. Broke my heart. But what it did is it also just encouraged me to say, my worship, my worship can be done in that homeless shelter. What is in my hand? My hand is to lead a team. That's what I've been called to do. I don't know how long God will call me to lead that church. But right now, my, my, my calling has been to lead a team that can go out there and to, to minister to people in a homeless shelter. To hear some of their stories. They, they weren't all bums who did bad things. Sometimes just life didn't work out for them. 
We work with the, the refugee centre in, in Hobart. People who have come out here from war-torn countries. We're doing a Christmas lunch for them. They're going to come to our Wednesday service. Majority of them, remember I lived five years in the Middle East, majority of them are Muslim. And they've said yes to come. That's our worship. That's what's in my hands. And the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me for the last 18 months, convicting me the willingness to say, I'm going to choose to worship with all that I am and all that I have. I believe that through our worship, I believe that through our worship, church, that we're going to see prodigals return. Ooh. About four months ago, I woke at about two in the morning and I have a journal beside my bed which I just write in. I had this incredibly clear vision. I shared this with our church about two weeks ago, about three weeks ago. I had this incredibly clear vision. It was a story of the prodigal son. We all know it. It's in Luke chapter 15. If you don't know it, I'd love to share with you afterwards. And if you're new to church today, I'd love to just be able to speak with you afterwards. But this was a story. This is the vision I saw. It was of the father going out to the edge of his field every day, every day to look for his prodigal. Now, we don't know how long the prodigal was away for. Scriptures don't tell us, and I believe that that's good. It doesn't. But what it does say is that, is that the father knew when the son was coming home. So to me, it meant that the father went out there every day to look because it said it saw him from a long way away because he wouldn't want to have missed a day. He didn't want to miss praying to God. And so he prayed every day for his son to return. The vision I got this was, and please, I'm not adding or subtracting from Scripture. This is just a vision that God gave to me with this. But what I saw was not just the father going out to the edge of the field, but the church body going out to the edge of the field. And I saw them, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of us going out there looking for prodigals to return. Not just one prodigal, but hundreds and thousands of prodigals to return. You see, I grew up in church. When I turned 18, eight out of, eight out of my best buddies, eight out of ten of my best buddies walked away from church. Now, whether it was offence, whether they got distracted, whether the devil got in there with some sort of doubt in their minds, eight out of ten of my best buddies walked away from church. But what I saw is, is that I saw us going out there as a church to the edge of the fence and we were praying for the prodigals to return. And I had this most beautiful vision. It was actually a sound because suddenly someone said, there comes one. Out there, there comes one. And everybody cheered for that person because they were happy for the prodigal to come back. And then someone beside them said, hang on a second. There's another one. And there's another one. And suddenly the sound in my head was so big because it was like a thunder of tens and thousands of prodigals returning home. And here's the part about it, right? Here's the part about it. I believed it was because we as a church stopped trying to be all the things to everyone, but instead we just went back to choosing to worship God. 
And the prodigals that returned came back because they said, that's not fake, that's worship of God. You see, I believe so many people walked away from the church because they thought the church was fake. I'm a pastor, I'm saying this. But I believe that what is going to happen that we're going to start seeing the prodigals return when we get on our knees and start worshipping God again. That when we start getting down and saying, I'm going to choose to worship God. When I'm going to start choose to do it, then the prodigals will return. That's what the Scripture says, that a father never stopped praying for his son. Never. He didn't become disillusioned. He never stopped. That is a form of worship. When you say, I'm going to not stop praying, that means that you are believing in and that you, you are worshipping God. I'm going to ask us to do something a little bit different. Got like about 10 minutes to go. But I'm going to, ask, I'm going to take up some of my time in this because I want to do something a little bit different. I'm going to ask just if out of respect... But each one of you just close your eyes right now. If you've never been to church before and you're going, this is a little bit uncomfortable, I'm not really sure what this is. We do this just out of respect. It's not a ritual. We don't have to do it. There's no, there's no law around this. But I'm just asking out of respect that we're just going to close our eyes. And you might think this is a little bit awkward. You might think, well, hang on a second. Something's got to entertain me or something's got to do with this. But I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask Ash just to start, start worshiping to us. So often we engage in worship, and you might be going, well, "Hang on a second, I've, I've got to get the kids in a few minutes. Just time will stand still." I just believe that there is a there's a move of the Holy Spirit in this room today, and it might be just 90 seconds, just two minutes. I'm just going to ask Ash just to start. Just declaring over us, just over your situation, over your prodigals, over brothers and sisters. You see, prodigals are not just sons and daughters. Prodigals are parents. Prodigals are brothers and sisters. Prodigals are friends that have walked away. So just right now, just receive, just receive as Ash just, just right now, just ministers over us. Maybe you haven't prayed for your prodigal for a while. Just right now, just lift them up. Just lift them up. Maybe your prodigal is your next door neighbour, a workmate, someone who used to sit in church with you that's no longer here. Someone that used to sit in a blue chair next to you. Just start praying for them. That's worship. Just start praying for them. Just where you are, just start lifting them up. The scripture says that when, when, when the father saw, he celebrated 
He celebrated in worship. He put on the best robe and the best sandals for his feet. He put a ring on his finger and cooked the best meal. I'm going to get to verse 2, I promise, but I just really felt there's a moment right here. Just while all eyes are closed, I just want to just respect those. But if you feel God has been laying something on your heart right now and you know that it's been challenging to just to even pray for a prodigal, to pray for these things, and you feel the Holy Spirit is just moving now, I just want to encourage you, just all eyes are closed. This is not about numbers or anything like this, but if, if that's you, I just want you to just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I just want to pray. I just want to pray for the prodigals right now, just across this place. If that's you, thank you. I can see hands raising right up. Just put them up and straight back down again. Straight back down again. It's just acknowledging, saying, yeah, I, 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 I need to start praying for those. I need to start praying for those being away. Just thank you. I can see those hands going up right now. Just straight up and straight back down. Thank you. I, can love, I love seeing that. It's just an acknowledgement to say, yeah, God, I need to start worshipping you. Start, start handing it over back to you. See, the father didn't stop praying. He didn't try and do it himself. It didn't say he went out there and he searched and he did these things. He didn't stop praying. Why? Because he chose to worship first and foremost. His central thing in his life was first and foremost was to worship God. Heavenly Father, I just pray. I just pray right now for all prodigals, for brothers and sisters, for sons and daughters, for mothers and fathers, for those who used to sit in the chairs next to us here who have just, just been distracted, who have been just turned away. Lord God, I pray right now for all of them that, that, that this church right here, situated in Melbourne's east, will see a flood of prodigals returning back in the door. That the biggest problem is going to be is that we're not going to know where to fit them all. And there's going to be no condemnation and judgment from the church, but there will be a love, a love so grand that we'll put on the best coat, we'll give him the best meal, we'll give him the best seat in the house, because that's what the Father did for his son. So I just pray, Lord God, for this church right here, that this church will be known as receiving prodigals back in the door, Lord God, we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'll let these guys keep here, but I want to get verse 2, and I want to finish with a story. I'm going to finish in like five minutes, guys. Because verse 2 says this. It's where it gets heavy. Verse 2 says, Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the very way you think. Then, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The message, I don't use a message a lot, but the message says it like this. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. That was my prayer for this church right now, is that it's not about what I speak. 
I'm just a, just a guy just doing my job here. But it's about the Holy Spirit will change us from the inside out. That we will go out of here and not go, hey, great, great service, good worship, good word. But that on a Monday morning, we are changed from the inside out. Because that's what will change this city. That is what will change this state. That is what will change the things. We've got to believe that these things will happen. We've got to believe. We've got to have the courage to say, I can do this in my workplace. I'm going to have the courage to say, I'm going to make a choice to worship in my business decisions. Businessmen and women, I am praying for integrity for you in your dealings. I pray for protection over your workplaces. Because I believe that we need businessmen and women out there who are godly men and women who are making a choice to worship God in all that they have. Because I'm telling you, what will happen is it will have a flow on effect. Others will say, well, I dealt with that company. There's something different about them. I want people to say to me, there's something different about me. You know, in the past, you go, you want to fit in. You want to be normal. That's what the Scripture says. We want to conform. You know what? We're not to conform to the world. We want to be transformed. We're not about conforming. We're about transforming. That's what the Scripture is about. And it's time for us as believers to start having the courage to say, I'm going to make a choice to worship. I'm going to make a choice to worship. I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish with a story. It's a story of a young Eritrean woman by the name of Helen. In 2014, Helen was arrested in her home city for the crime of singing a gospel song in public. Her punishment without trial was being locked in a metal shipping container. I think we've got a photo of that that will come up behind me. That's where Helen was locked, imprisoned. It was situated in the desert outside of her city in Eritrea, a place where she would remain incarcerated for 946 days. I heard this story after being drawn to an interview that Nikki Gumbel conducted one night. Helen says that she was imprisoned with up to 19 other people in the container, which was so hot in the daytime that they couldn't touch the edges. So cold at night that they would huddle together to keep warm. Helen had grown up in in a family that had faith-filled parents and was encouraged to praise God in all circumstances. But her father said to her, we're not allowed to, to sing the gospel outside, outside of the walls of our house. Helen did that one day and was arrested. During the interview, Nikki said to her, what would it take for you to be released and go home? And she said, they would regularly come with a written statement that said I had to deny my faith. And she said that when I would sign that written statement that they would let me go. But it said on there that I had to deny my faith and an assurance that I would never sing or preach the gospel again. Helen refused. Instead, She said to the 19 other people in that one shipping container, she said, we're going to pray, just like Daniel prayed. And so six times a day inside the shipping container, they would start and they would just pray. And then she said, I've been given the gift. The talent in my hand is to sing. So she started praising God inside the shipping container. She said to those in prison with her, Whatever we are facing, we need to have the courage to worship God. It was said that after two years inside the container that some of the guards would ask her to teach them to sing the same songs that she was singing. The same guards that imprisoned her for 946 days. 
And one of the final questions Nikki said to her, wouldn't it have been easier just to conform to the world and, and what they wanted to do, which she, which she said this. She said, quote, every day that I sung a worship song, I knew that a seed was being sown in the lives of the guards that would one day transform them. She was released after 946 days. Three months later, she had a knock on her door from the same guards. She thought to herself, I'm going back to jail. I'm going back to that shipping container. It was said in the interview that the guards got on their knees and gave their lives to Jesus right there and then. Can I just ask you to stand where you are? Just ask you to stand. I believe that today we've been called to have the courage to worship God. And I believe that in this room that there's been many, many, many people who have been sitting in the chairs and doing church life and I thank you for that and you're doing an amazing job. But I, I, I just pray that the Holy Spirit has been moving upon us to say, you know what, we've got to have the courage and maybe our situations won't be like Helen. God willing, they won't be like Helen. But maybe it's in your family situation that you're facing something like that and you feel like your voice has been taken away. The courage to worship has been taken away. I'm going to ask you to do something really bold. Really bold. And this is always tough when you're in front of family and church here, but I, I just really feel to do this. I just want to encourage you, if the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you, whether you are young, old, whatever it is, whether you've been a Christian for 40 years or for four minutes, or maybe you don't even know Jesus yet. And if you don't know Jesus yet and you want to know more, I want to speak to you afterwards. I'll wait here all day. I've got a flight to catch, but I'll wait here all day. But I just really felt this. I really felt the Holy Spirit saying, it's always difficult in another church, but I really felt the Holy Spirit say that there needs to be people right now with the courage to worship, and that means just coming forward to the altar. I'm not going to pray for you individually, but just coming forward to the altar, just where you are, coming out of your chairs and saying, yeah, that's me. That's me. Just as people start coming, just saying, yeah, that's me. This is not about your faith. This is not about your eternity. This is not about judgment. This is not about this. This is about if you know inside yourself that, that you just need a little bit more courage inside of yourself to, to worship God in all your circumstances. I just love you to say this. Maybe, maybe you've been conforming to things and you want to say, no, I want to have the courage of what Helen did. If that's you, just come forward. Just come forward just where you are as people start coming forward. Beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just come to the center, make room. There's people coming. I'm not going to delay this because you've got an incredible kids ministry who, who, who have done a great job and I encourage you to thank them when you go out. But I just want to, right now, still people coming, that's cool. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. I'm literally going to close this meeting in like two minutes. But it wouldn't be on me not to do this. Still people coming, that's awesome. So good. I'm going to pray for all of you. I can't get around individually and do this and minister here, but that's not appropriate right now. I'm going to pray for all of you. So I'm going to ask you guys just, just where you are on the front here. And maybe you're sitting there and going, yeah, that's me, but I just, just don't feel to come forward. That's okay too. That's okay. I'm just going to ask you, reach out your hands where you are. Just reach out your hands because I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, right now, I pray right now 
For those who are here, Lord God, for those who are in this church, Heavenly Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will just overflow upon you, that, 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 you, will, that you will just get this new sense of courage inside of you to what it is to worship God. I pray right now for every man and woman who is standing here, young and old, Lord God, that we will start declaring, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. That we will no longer conform to what the world wants us to do, but that we we will be people who will transform, that we have been transformed. Lord God, I just pray right now, just over these people, Lord God, I just pray that we will see things move. Heavenly Father, I pray this right now, that we will see things move. Lord God, we will see things move in the eastern suburbs here of Melbourne. Lord God, that we will stop reading reports of things that are broken, and we will start reading reports of those who are coming to know Jesus, that we will see revival happen. Why? Through the courage of a church right here that is willing to worship God that will receive the prodigals coming back in. Right now, we just declare this. Right now, overflow, overflow. Thank you, Jesus. Just overflow right now, Lord God, we pray.